to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. What I learned from it was sometimes the things that scare us the most and turn our lives 180 degrees are the things that we needed most because we were probably on a path that was not leading to our most successful possibilities. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life and Accounting, a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. That clip was from Lindsay Stevenson, our first guest from the South Dakota area. You're really going to enjoy this episode. Lindsay has an infectious optimism and is just purely positive in nature. This may sound funny, but I honestly just personally felt better after interviewing Lindsay. She really was a joy to speak with. We're going to cover quite a bit in this episode, from some personal challenges early in Lindsay's life, to being determined to provide a better future for her young son at the time, which in fact led her to become an accountant, and then now to eventually start a side consulting business focused on helping make the professional landscape better for all of us. Lindsay is definitely a driven individual, but she also has her priorities in the right place. It's a great story of perseverance, but also of success and joy along the way. If you do find value in this episode for yourself, please check us out online as well. You can find us at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. We have all kinds of audio and written accounting career-focused materials. We have other podcasts, of course. We have blogs. We have books. And even a few tools for employers as well. If you are an employer, one publication that may interest you is our Hiring Checklist for Small Businesses. Basically, we boil down everything that you need to know about hiring for a small business into a very brief two-page checklist. Once again, that's our hiring checklist for small businesses, and you can find it on our website at whereaccountantsgo.com. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Lindsay Stevenson. Thanks for making the time for us today. Hey, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. Well, for our audience, we have Lindsay Stevenson in the South Dakota area on the line with us today. One of our former guests noticed that we were starting to spread out a little more geographically with respect to the guest, and they offered to introduce me to Lindsay. They mentioned that Lindsay had been recognized as one of the most powerful women in accounting by CPA advisor and had also been on their 40 under 40 list a few times. So obviously, I couldn't resist you know, the opportunity to interview Lindsay because we are, after all, all about success and accounting, as well as highlighting all the different things you can do with a background in accounting. And actually, Lindsay makes an excellent guest for both of those reasons. By the way, Lindsay, I have to ask you, because when we scheduled this, when we were doing the little pre-show conversation, it was about 65 degrees where I live, but I think you said it was like 
20 or something crazy like that up there in South Dakota. What's the weather like up there today? 20 would be probably like spring break if we're lucky. We're at about 5 degrees today and it feels like negative 10. <laughs> oh my god. A little gosh. cooler than you. See, I couldn't even fathom what the truth was earlier, I guess. I Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> like you can't right. can't even wrap your mind around 5 degrees. Like what does it actually feel like on your skin? It's cold. <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> wow. All right. I always like to start at the beginning with all our guests. Tell us, what initially led you to think about pursuing accounting as a possible career in the first place? So for me, that's an interesting question because, to be honest, I really never saw myself as an accountant. I think I sort of had this viewpoint of that being a boring job. (laughs) So when I was in high school, I was really active in theater and in sports. And so I decided that I was going to be a Broadway musical star as well as a pediatric cardiologist. And my sweet 16-year-old self believed that I could definitely do both of those things at the same time. And so when I was getting ready to apply to schools and thinking about where I wanted to go to college, that's sort of what I had in mind. And so my senior year of high school, I actually did something called Running Start. I don't know where what it's called across the country in different places, but it's where you can go to college and get dual credit. So you get college credit and you get high school graduation credit. And so I did that and I went and majored in science. So I was going to get all this biology and anatomy and chemistry out of the way so that I could start on a pre-med major. <laughs> and I was just, I was so driven. I was ready to go. And then as it usually does, life gets in the way. I started making some pretty poor choices in terms of who I spent my time with. Uh, and it ended up that I was partying a lot more my senior year progressed than I was going to class or doing my schoolwork. Actually, I passed my classes and I, I was able to graduate from high school, so I didn't completely uh, ruin my life in one fell swoop. But by the summer between my senior year and what would have been my freshman year of college um, in August, I found out that I was pregnant. So here I was, an 18-year-old pregnant girl. The individual who contributed to that situation was not interested in being a parent with me. (laughs) So trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. So I took a year off. So that year that I was pregnant, um, I didn't go to college. I didn't, I worked essentially. That's pretty much what I did with my time. I felt sorry for myself, if we're being honest, trying to figure out how could I possibly go from being this Broadway star that was going to change the world to being a teenage mom who really had no future, which is really what I thought at that time. And so I sort of remember my mom, who was great, by the way. I can't imagine what it's like. Cross my fingers. Thank God my children have not come to me and told me that they have gotten a girl pregnant yet. So I haven't had to deal with what my mom had to deal with. But she was incredible in terms of just being really supportive and made sure, you know, whatever I decided to do, she was behind me and she was just just there for me. So I decided I wanted to keep this baby. So not only had I <laughs> ruined what I thought were my chances of going to college, but in addition, there was no future for going to college because I needed to support this baby. So lo and behold, my son was born um, in April of the year that would have been my freshman year of college. And it was really the single scariest moment of my life to date, but also the single greatest. And I will tell you that coming to terms with being responsible for another human's life and their future and their development sort of brings everything crashing home. So if you're a parent and you're listening to this, you 100% know what I felt like, but imagine feeling that way when you were 18. So he was born a few weeks before my 19th birthday, and I decided 
not long after that, at the time I was working, I don't know if it was at McDonald's or A&W, I can't remember, but I was working in fast food. And I remember coming home one night and he was sitting in his bassinet and I thought to myself, I don't want him to go to kindergarten and say my mommy works in fast food. I felt like, you know, I was a straight A student before all this went down. I graduated high school with like a three nine or something like that. I mean, I was a really good kid up until that point of poor choice making. So after all that happened and I kind of looked at my life and said, I just, I really want to accomplish something for him. Um, and that's important to me. Somebody told me that community college didn't require a ton of your time. You could take flexible classes. And this is back before online classes were really a thing. They existed, but it was not like, you know, now you have the University of Phoenix and however many other universities where you can go online full time. That was not a reality back in the day. <laughs> I won't date myself and tell you when, but back in the day. So anyways, my somebody said, hey, community college would be a great, great alternative for you. So I signed up and just the plan was to just get my general requirements out of the way for the time being because I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life now that I couldn't be a star. And so that first year, I just kind of took my regular requirements and then I thought, well, maybe business is the way to go. Um, that seems like there's the most opportunities. And so I took my first accounting class as part of a business um, associate's degree and I hated it. I was so bad at it. I mean, <laughs> I'm not kidding you, Mark. When somebody sits down the first time to tell you that A plus L equals E, it's like learning a foreign language. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. And and it was really confusing. And I, I thought, oh, my gosh, I, you know, I, I like math, but I cannot figure this out. And I had a really great instructor. I passed the class. I did fine. I had good grades, but it was really hard. And, and he said, you know, I know it's hard for you, but you can do this. And I think once it clicks, you're really going to like it. Stick it out and do another semester. I went ahead and said, okay, I'll, I'll do it again. And then, man, when I figured out what credits and debits were and how it works and T accounts and um, we started getting to financial statements and sort of the bigger picture, I really liked it because it was something I could solve. And I found some kind of solace in that. I think my personal life had been such a mess for so long, felt like I didn't really have any control there. And I was just kind of chaotic um, to sit in a classroom and sort of have like this set of rules. Okay, now, mind you, this is long before you get into like FASB and like the tax code, right, where things get gray. <laughs> when you're in counting 101, things are black and white. <laughs> so I decided I was going to stick with it. Um, and he was really instrumental in that. I mean, just uh, he was, I honestly don't even know what his main career was. I know he was just instructing at night at the community college. And so it was like even like a side thing for him. And he was so passionate about it and just encouraged me to stick with it. So he's the reason I ended up in accounting. And then once I got my AA degree, it seemed like the normal progression was to get my bachelor's degree. And so in the meantime, I decided I should get married, get pregnant again. Um, so, so I finished my associate's degree. I had my second son when I was, I was 21 while I was pregnant. So I didn't even get to celebrate my 21st birthday with a drink, but he was born shortly thereafter. I had him and then four days later were my finals to get my associate. So I showed up in class and everybody's like, oh my gosh, you don't have a baby bump anymore. <laughs> so yeah, he was born, but let's get this final out of the way. So I was able to do that. And then there's a, a university in Washington. If anybody is a, a March Madness fan, I'm a huge, huge college basketball fan. And I went to Gonzaga. So go Bulldogs. I'm a big, big, big uh, Gonzaga Bulldog fan. I grew up in, in this town. So I was a fan before I went to college there, but I got accepted to Gonzaga to finish my four year. And that was kind of a trip because I was only a year behind. And since that college is in the same town where I grew up, a lot of my high school classmates went to school there. 
so we ended up in a lot of the same classes and they were like, oh my gosh, you dropped off the face of the earth and holy crap, now you have two kids. <laughs> yeah, here I am. It was kind of fun, but I brought my son, my youngest son, so he was about two months old when I started there and I had to bring him to class because I couldn't find daycare that would take both of my kids. <laughs> So, wow. so I had wonderful professors. Yeah, they were great. You know, sort of the rule of thumb was if your baby cries, go outside. Um, but if he sleeps in his car seat or you can hold him and he doesn't distract the class, then, you know, by all means, bring him. And so I did that for a couple of months at the beginning of, of that first year. And then it worked out. I found daycare and, and everything was great. So, so yeah, I just did everything backwards, right? Like I had kids first, then I got married and then I went to school and <laughs> Like everything sort of happened in reverse order from from what you normally see the typical accountant or CPA go through. But it was a great experience. And I had to work so hard because I was working full time, too. So going to Gonzaga, I was taking 18 credits and then I was working full time at a local CPA firm and then homework and kids. And so it was just total chaos. Like, I really don't remember the details, <laughs> to be fair, of, of those two years because I feel like it was just sort of a blur to get through school. And then about halfway through, right before I finished my bachelor's, uh, my oldest son was diagnosed with autism. And so I went through like this whole new sort of pity party, feeling bad for myself that, you know, I'd already struggled through so much. How could I possibly take care of a kid that had special needs? So it was just really like accounting was just kind of a, a cool place for me to hang out because it just made sense. And the rest of my life felt like totally out of control for most of those years. So you know, that was out of my control, obviously. There's nothing I could have done about it. But I really felt you're ill-prepared to be a parent in the first place and then stack on, you know, that your kid needs extra attention and your advocacy and you don't even know how to advocate for a typical kid, much less a kid that needs extra support. <laughs> I just totally felt so inadequate. But accounting made sense and I was good at it. So it's like, yes, <laughs> one part of my life that's going really well. So I finally got through accounting and then I had a great professor at Gonzaga who was a tax professor. And because I got my associate's degree first, I actually had enough credits to sit for the exam without getting my master's. So the year I graduated, I think was the first or second year that the 150 credit hours went into play. So I had all those so I could sit and I interviewed with all the big four firms, but everybody hired for audit. So, I mean, I don't know if others had that same experience, but it seemed like the recruiting process was all geared towards audit. And if you've ever worked in audit, a majority of your time in your early years is spent traveling and on the road. And I didn't feel like I could do that with my kids since I had already spent all my time at school for their first two and four years of life, this tax professor said, well, if you want to work in tax, I know a great firm in Arizona. And I said, well, at this point, I'm willing to talk to anybody. So this great firm flew me down. Of course, they fly you down in November when it's 20 degrees in Washington and it's 78 degrees in Arizona. So I got off the plane and I was feeling probably like you are today. Nice, beautiful fall afternoon, spring weather, uh, Got off the airplane. I thought, it doesn't matter if I get this job or not. I'm finding a way to move here. <laughs> <laughs> they were wonderful. Hired me, large local firm. They hired me out of college to do tax, which at the time was sort of unheard of if you didn't have your Mac, your master's in tax. So I was really excited. I thought this was like a really cool opportunity. And so I headed down there and I worked for that firm for a couple of years doing tax. And then I moved on to a smaller firm, actually doing tax for them as well and just kept progressing through my careers. I feel like I've accepted this internally, but it still like makes me a little woozy to share it with other CPAs. So everybody that's listening to your podcast know that this takes like a huge amount of leap of faith to share this, but I did not pass my exam the first time. 
<laughs> or the second time. <laughs> so, so all these years while I was in practice and I was doing tax stuff and I was moving up the ladder and doing all this stuff, you know, I could never sign anything because I just couldn't seem to get past my exams. And so I decided I was driving back and forth, Tucson and Phoenix, about two hours apart. And I was working for a firm out of Phoenix, but driving to and from Tucson. And I just got tapped out. It was way too much time on the road and I couldn't travel anymore. So I took a break from that and I worked for another small firm down in Tucson, but it just didn't feel right. And I really loved my old firm. So I called them back and said, I'm sick of tax. Can I do audit? Because I couldn't pass the audit section. This is really what it comes down to. I could not pass the audit section of the exam. So I decided I must need audit experience because I can't figure it out from a book. (laughs) So back to them and they said, yeah, like we'd love to hire you and do audit. I shouldn't say I left tax to go to audit because you never leave one or the other. right? Like once you have experience, now you just know more. So you get to do busy season for audit and tax now. So I was able to do that. And then I got pregnant with my last son uh, in 2000. Well, I guess it was like early 2012 and decided that I couldn't put off my exam anymore, that I needed to get it done before this last baby came. Because once I had three, I wasn't sure I would ever go back and do it. So I spent all of 2012 working and studying and I took my last exam. I was eight months pregnant and throwing up in the garbage can in the testing room, <laughs> taking, taking my audit exam. And I passed. I got, I got the thing back and I passed and, I, and it was on the day that my, my first exam expired. So if I wouldn't have passed that test, my first exam would have dropped off. So it was all meant to be. And I finally became a CPA. And I will tell you, it was fascinating to me, the change in me as a professional from the day that I went from being an accountant working in a firm as a tax professional or an audit professional to being a CPA, whether it's right or wrong, I felt so much more validated internally and so much more confident of my own abilities, even though nothing changed for me from an experience standpoint. It was almost like this rite of passage that I, I needed to get there. So um, I did that. And then it was it was kind of like a switch flip. Like once I did that, I wanted to get more involved in the profession and I wanted to volunteer more. And so I started looking for ways to get involved with the AICPA and with the state society and did a lot of volunteer stuff there. And still I'm doing a lot in that role. And I was working towards partnership in my firm and and my sweet dear husband finally, you know, he'd been telling me for a while that I was overdoing it and that I was had a problem with workaholism. I think most of your listeners probably are in the same boat. (laughs) Seems to be a a CPA phenomenon. (laughs) profession. And so he said, you know, I just, he finally sat me down and he said, you're to the point where you're unhealthy. You're not taking care of yourself and you're beating yourself up for everything that you missed for the kids and you need to do something different. And I'd been taking all these self-awareness classes and I was trying to all this stuff with our firm. I created a coaching program and changed the way we did evaluations and was working on the culture. And I was really passionate about all that. And what I finally came to grips with was I was part of the problem. So all the struggles the firm was having with the way that we were managing work and the way that we were managing our people and everything else, I was a big part of that because I was such a workaholic and I was telling people, you know, you shouldn't be working this much. You need to be focused on how to be more efficient, more effective. And then I was breaking the rules and doing exactly what I was telling them not to do. And then, you know, they watch the example. And of course, they're not going to change anything because I'm their supervisor. So <laughs> it was hard. It was tough to come to that realization. And so my husband said, well, if you're going to leave your firm, right, which is where your reputation is and, and everything, then can we move closer to family? So in Arizona, we had no one. And so lo and behold, here we go, South Dakota. That's where my husband's family <laughs> is all located. So we moved from Arizona, which is probably similar to your climate there to South Dakota, where it's clearly a lot colder, <laughs> at least in the wintertime, at least in the wintertime. And honestly, you know, when I left, 
the firm, I was looking at other firms. I wasn't necessarily looking to leave public accounting, but I just, I, you know, nothing was fitting right, felt right. And I was really afraid that if I put myself in the same situation, I would just end up in the same cycle. I'm like a recovering workaholic at this point. So <laughs> trying not to set that up. So banking, you know, that's where I ended up in BNI. So I'm, I don't know how long that even took me to get from like sad 18 year old pregnant with no future to working in the banking industry and being a CPA. I don't, wow. <laughs> my whole life in a nutshell. <laughs> 19 minutes, actually, to be exact. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty that good. That's pretty I good. I 20. Wow. Yeah, I just have to say this. As we're recording this, the episode that came out this week is with Kimberly Ellison Taylor, the, the podcast episode, and she's the uh, immediate past chair for AICPA. And she just cracks up when she talks about the CPA exam because she's, she's like, you're never going to believe this. I failed the first time. <laughs> And I was chair of AICPA. And she says it almost <laughs> like that. <It's laughs> so you're, you're in the great best. company. She's the best. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't surprise me at all because she is definitely the kind that would be like, can you believe that they made me that? They knew. I mean, I didn't hide it. <laughs> uh, she's amazing. So what are you doing now? I, I know you're at a bank, but then you have a consulting business as well, too, or, or something, correct? Or is my information outdated? I'm not sure. No, no, you're right. So so my full-time deal, my full-time gig is at the bank. So I'm, my official title is Vice President of Finance and Tax. And so I do all of our tax strategy, tax planning. I do our accounting policy, help drafting with our financial statements, help with our financial statements audit you know, some sort of other random stuff that comes up. We're looking at a Nexus study right now, trying to figure out, you know, from a SALT perspective, what we should be doing from the bank standpoint. And so that's pretty interesting because it's pretty different than what I was doing in my public life. And to be fair, I did not work on a banking client in my entire public career, like ever. I I didn't know any of the banking acronyms when I came here. I was completely (laughs) behind the bar. It was pretty crazy. But I do, I love what I do with them and, and they're fun. I have a great group of people that I work with. So that's been a fun transition. But uh, there's a part of me that loves self-awareness and development and strategy. And my time in public accounting really taught me what organizations struggle with, especially CPA firms, in terms of losing sight of the fire and the why. And so I started my consulting practice. So that that did happen. I, I did that last year. In fact, with the, the help, guidance, inspiration, encouragement of some of your previous podcast guests have, were involved in that process and that journey. Uh, but Origin Evolution is dedicated to helping firms and organizations uncover their purpose and then align their culture and their strategic initiatives and their client methodology delivery systems to that purpose. That's been a really fun journey for me as well because it's like my creative side and, and what really sparks my passion and lights a fire for me and to see someone's eyes sparkle a little bit when they really start to dig into why, you know, why do they care? Why do they do it? Why does it matter? Um, when we get past the surface stuff like paying bills, <laughs> just such a fun experience. It just fills my cup. So I think that's why I'm doing that on the side. I'm curious, what's your sweet spot in terms of clientele? Are you working with all accounting firms or are you you working with businesses in general? So it's been a little bit of both. Um, I think my target market 
on the early end of things is CPA firms just because that's my home. Those are my peeps. These are, <laughs> these are my, like I have the struggle is real and I know what it feels like. So I love working in the CPA space, but I have done some projects for some other completely unrelated industries, some people in healthcare, some nonprofit groups. And that's been kind of a fun experience as well. But I do have a soft spot for CPA firms because I just think it's, it's so needed. You know, everybody is so great at servicing their clients and making sure that they give just every ounce of their being to making their clients' businesses better and run easier. And then their own business just suffers because they don't have anything left in the tank because they've given it all to their clients. And and I see that and I think, oh, oh my gosh, like you have so much, so much magic. Let's uncover that. Let's unlock that and figure out how to make sure that it thrives inside your business as well as to your clients. So It's another side of the workaholic thing. You know, you, you, yeah. work, you work real hard for your family, but then you end up working real hard and not seeing them as much. And then same thing, you're working so hard for your clients that your work family, (laughs) you start to uh, ignore. So definitely interesting, interesting. So how long have you had your consulting business? So I started it last April. So it's almost a year old. Coming up on a year. And I really, I mean, I I shouldn't make it sound like it's this, you know, thriving, amazing thing that's going on. It's really, it is totally a side gig that's fun for me to play in and pick up a couple of clients and work with a few people and kind of explore exactly what I want it to feel like and look like. It's really been a joy for me. You've had two guests on your show previously um, with Intend to Lead. And so I work with them as well and do consulting and um, facilitation for their projects as well. And that's been super fun for me as well. Okay, so I'm going to ask this for all the, the moms out in the listening audience. How do you juggle this? you got three kids. You know, I husband at home, obviously, as well. I, I'm sure some other, you know, personal responsibilities. I mean, you're only the vice president of finance and tax at a bank, too. And, well, why not just throw in a consulting gig in there also, you know? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it's more than it is. I mean, when you lay it all out, it sounds like a lot. Like, it's a pretty big list. But, but you know, they're moving pieces. So sometimes, you know, the bank and what's going on there is going to take priority. And, and I have to spend, you know, extra time there and give that some love and some, you know, extra effort. And, and then other times, you know, when the bank is just regular 40 hours, I can kind of do my stuff, um, you know, nine to five, then the consulting practice gets a little more love and, and TLC. And, you know, my kids are great because they have schedules too. So, you know, they're busy. They don't, <laughs> I have one that's graduating from high school this year and, and he's looking to, to figure out if he can play football in college. That's been like a whole nother journey that's been kind of fun to go through. But, but it's funny because like he doesn't really, you know, he only has certain things that he wants me around for and needs me to be part of. And so, you know, as those, priorities shift for him it just sort of works in the schedule and so it's just a moving I, I don't know I mean people say how do you juggle it or how do you balance it all and it just it kind of works itself out you know I say no to things when it just doesn't work for me and I used to not be great at that right I'd say oh yep I'll figure it in I'll find a place to do that but you know now I'll just say yeah wow I, I don't know that I have time for that or if you need it you know two months from now it's a definite yes if you need it next week it's a definite no you just kind of do it and go with it. And, you know, my kids are great. I spent so many years early on. And I think all the, the parents, not just even moms, but all the parents that listen to your podcast, like we have this massive amount of parent guilt that just, you know, almost suffocates us in their early years of all the things that we think that we missed, you know, and how great important it was that we 
should have been there. We weren't, and we carry all this. And, you know, what I found is that my kids don't even notice half the time if I was there or not. Or, you know, if I saw them do something, I just try and make sure that I'm really engaged when it's important to them. So my youngest plays hockey and on hockey mornings, on Saturdays, on Wednesday afternoons, like those are his hockey days. I need to be all in. So when I'm at hockey, you know, did you see me do this? Did you see me do that? Like I try not to look at my phone because I know he's going to ask, ask me after a game or after that. Just like, did you see? And I don't want to lie. So <laughs> yes, I saw it. It's just a matter of engaging when it matters. And, and so we carry all this guilt for nothing because my 17 year old will tell you, I mean, I carry this stuff of like, I remember when I missed your fourth grade ceremony for, you know, God knows what it was. And he's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And to me, it was like such a big deal that I was there and he doesn't even remember it happening. So, you know, we do this to ourselves and we create this whole reality of where we think we have to be some epic parent that's there for like every moment of their entire lives. But really, my kids are really independent. You know, to have an autistic kid that's looking at playing football at the collegiate level you know, God, he's amazing, right? And and I wasn't around to like smother him with my crazy love every second of the day. And maybe that was a good thing. <laughs> it turned out pretty great. So I think it's just fun kind of as they get older, recognizing that, you know, maybe we're a little too hard on ourselves and, and they do pretty darn well when we give them some space to do it on their own. So, yeah. So yeah, that's how I, I juggle it. I just, I just let go. <laughs> I agree with you. I think we remember those times a lot more than they do. Definitely. Wow. Yeah, he's got no idea, no recollection. But I have, you know, like a calendar where I'm like, oh, I missed this. Oh, I didn't show up for that. You know, and he's like, I didn't even, was I at that? <laughs> I understand the, the origin evolution is a side gig, you know, so to speak. What difference are you looking to make with those efforts? What success are you looking to see out of it? Or, or you know, what do you want to see out of the organizations that you serve? Uh, well, I'm going to go out on a limb and be vulnerable and tell you what I really believe <laughs> before okay. I get too, too scared to do it. But I honestly believe that by doing the work that I'm doing with Origin Evolution, the whole landscape of the accounting profession can change. And I say that, you know, with the intent that it's really in a positive way, not a you guys suck, so we have to change things. Um, I don't mean it in that context, but what I mean is Everything is changing so quickly around us. You know, if you look at things, and I'm sure Kimberly talked about this because she loves the technology side, but, you know, if you look at things like AI and bots and, you know, things that are changing blockchain, things that are changing the way that we will work in the future, we as a profession, the people in this profession are so passionate and so driven, so smart that I can't even fathom losing even an ounce of that because we weren't changing the way that we model our businesses. And so I think that origin evolution, getting back to that reality of like, what is your passion for doing what you do and what drives you so that it doesn't matter what your services are from A to Z, right? So when we get to the point where we're not preparing tax returns anymore because IBM Watson is preparing tax returns for us, <laughs> we don't have to do that function. We aren't freaking out and losing our place because that's so much lost value, right? The world loses out on that CPA accountant value because we weren't ready. We weren't prepared. And so I think to be able to uncover your purpose, to be real and true to who you are and what really drives you, it doesn't matter what your service offering is, right? Because that will come if you're living the truth. And so I really believe that by doing this, even as a side gig, hopefully someday in the future as my only gig, 
that I'm preparing people to really be their full, true selves and have the biggest impact possible on the world. And I think accountants and CPAs are just, they're the smartest people, right? They're so business savvy and they are so astute and they have so much to offer. And it gets lost in translation because we've been behind this compliance wheel for so long. You know, we haven't had the opportunity to shine. And I think this is the moment, right? This is the time to be like, wow, look at all these incredibly smart, gifted, intelligent people who can actually make business run better and more efficiently. And let's tap into that. Let's make sure that's what we're at market with. In a nutshell, (laughs) that's what I, I hope to do. I love it that you're going to use my podcast as an accountability tool for yourself. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> as I'm like throwing up a little bit in my mouth and I'm sweating a little, like, oh my God, people are going to hear this. Like, now it's out in the world. That's what I would hope for. Wow. No, I love it when people have a just a big audacious dream. You know, that's awesome. That is awesome. Wonderful. I agree with you. I think that... The technology side is actually freeing us up or will continue to free us up to do the parts of the job that we really enjoy, you know, and that we really like and where we can really make a difference for the world. Definitely. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. wow. <laughs> well, thank you for, for being so supportive. I'm breathing. I'm okay. <laughs> it's going to be fine. <laughs> so thank you for that. Of course. So when I Google you, I see all these 40 under 40 awards. And the most powerful women in accounting award as well. My gosh. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Is it a nomination process? I mean, you know, when did you find out? And I guess what was that experience like? Because you don't have just one floating out there. You know, you're, <sighs> you're a highly recognized individual, Lindsay. <laughs> I think there's a couple you can self-nominate. I was fortunate enough to have someone else nominate me for them. And, and that was really touching. In fact, the person that nominated me told me ahead of time on a couple of them and just the elation and gratitude that you feel when somebody that you care about tells you that they're nominating you for something that is really meaningful. See, I'm going to get all teary-eyed, so I got to hold it together. I think that moment was even better than actually getting the award itself because, you know, when somebody that's really inspiring and important to you thinks that you're inspiring, that just pretty much lays you down flat. (laughs) There's not a lot that can beat that. And so for me, I think even for all the awards that I've been given, it was a beautiful experience, but really even more so being so touched by someone else's recognition of me as a person was really overwhelming. It is very touching when someone by surprise nominates you for something like that because you just, you know, you don't realize the the impact you're having and, and then all of a sudden you see it. I mean, that, yes, that is very special. Very special. Thank you for sharing so much, by the way. I, I was going to say that later, but I'm afraid I'll forget. You are an open book. Thank you. I'm an oversharer. <laughs> My husband will tell you, like, if you open the book, man, the pages are just going to read. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. I will, I will tell you with the women in accounting, if the other words, one is like a list, and so they just publish the list, and that's, like, super cool, and you look at the list, and you're like, oh, my God, those people are so cool. I can't believe I'm on that list. The powerful women in accounting last year, they put us up on stage at an AICPA conference and there were probably a couple thousand people in the room. And I have to tell you, the women on that stage, I mean, I had like serious imposter syndrome for a good like week after that because they were so amazing. Like, I mean, we're talking like CEOs of big four accounting firms. 
were on this stage. And I was standing there like, hey, I live in South Dakota. And <laughs> just kind of doing my thing. I mean, I'm all about the profession. I'm really psyched up about this. But holy crap, you're actually running a top four. <laughs> wow, you're amazing. And so I think that for me was like one of my favorite moments, even though I felt like a tiny little piece of sand on this huge beach to be on stage with those. Like I was geeking out so bad. I'm like, oh my gosh, did you see who that was? Oh, 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 that really hurt. You know, I felt like a total fangirl, but I was part of the group. And so that was like probably the coolest moment professionally for me in my whole life was like, I don't care whatever else happens. I sit on a stage with these like amazing, incredible. I mean, Kimberly Ellison Taylor is one of those women. And obviously you've had her on her podcast. So, you know, like she's like this magnetic, abundant, beautiful person that just like draws you in and makes you feel so cool for even being around her. And so, and they were all like that. So it was like a high. And I mean, I'm still, I'm still excited about it happening a year ago. I'm still all pumped up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be on the most powerful women in accounting list, but I mean, I could just, I'm almost there, you know, picturing it. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. I want to be respectful of your time, and I end every podcast with the same three questions, but there's one that I try to include as much as possible beforehand, and I definitely want to ask you, if you could go back in time and give your younger self just one piece of very critical advice, what do you think you might tell yourself? Oh, gosh, that's, that is a hard one because there'd be like a list, but if I had to choose just one thing to tell my younger self, I think I'd probably just tell her... Just love yourself. There was a lot of wasted time in those younger days. See, you're going to get me all emotional again, Mark. You're not supposed to ask these kind of questions. There was a lot of time in those younger younger years where I didn't think I was good enough and I didn't think I was smart enough. And I thought, you know, I'm just some dumb kid who got pregnant early. And how am I ever going to be successful? Or how am I going to survive a kid with autism? And all these doubtful, you know, not helpful, not positive thoughts and I eventually got to a place where I do love myself and I'm grateful for the life that I've led but man it would have made some things a lot easier if I would have decided to do that a little younger (laughs) so that would be the advice that I would give myself wow I wrote this down earlier just because I didn't want to forget you know sometimes words come to me while I'm you know doing the podcast and the one with you is perseverance I mean you definitely have a story of perseverance. There are so many times when you could have just said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not continuing down this path. I'm not, I'm not going to continue. I give up, you know, I'll do this instead. That is not you and it's not your story. So very beautiful. Definitely. Thank you. Well, I do end every podcast with the same three questions. The first one is usually the easiest and you have so many to pick from, but from a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? No, for sure. 25 women standing on that stage and being by far like the least qualified to be up there, but still up there with those incredible women. That was seriously career high. I don't know that I'll be able to top that one. That was such a cool moment for me. You know, there were at least 23, maybe 24 other women standing up there thinking the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true. It's probably true. That's Lindsay from South Dakota over there. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I don't think everyone said that, but I appreciate that you <laughs> I'll hold on to that one. That was good. Well, second question. Tell us about this mistake you've made and what you learned from it, of course, because that's what we're really after. But the bigger, the better. 
probably already shared it in full detail, but um, I, I think choosing a, a poor friend group and then making decisions that ended in teen pregnancy, I think, you know, there's no one doing that. And uh, it's about as big as it gets because it changes your life, you know, a 180 from whatever you had planned for sure. But, you know, what I learned from it was sometimes the things that scare us the most and turn our lives 180 degrees are the things that we needed most because we were probably on a path that was not leading to our most successful possibilities. So my son, someday when he's old enough and I can say it without crying, there will be definitely a conversation about how important he was to creating the life that I have. I mean, I honestly believe I would not be who I am or where I am without his tiny little face (laughs) showing up way earlier in my life than I planned. And really taking that error in judgment and, and creating sort of the fire, the spark for the fire to drive further and harder than probably would have otherwise been possible. That is beautiful. Yeah, I, I'm going to generalize this a little bit, but you know, what you're sharing, really, we are who we hang around with. And I think that can affect us, not just early in life, but even in the workplace. That's great career advice. Even so... <laughs> That is totally true. I I tell my kids this all the time. Even though you want to be a good friend to kids who may not be making good choices, the reality is you will likely end up also making poor choices. (laughs) So you have to tread carefully because it's easier to make the wrong choice than it is to make the right one. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Someone gave me a piece of advice to read a book. The book is called The Big Leap. It's by Gay Hendrick, and it encourages you to understand the difference between your zone of excellence and your zone of genius. And I don't want to truncate it to make it less than it is, but essentially, you know, your zone of excellence is, is something that you're really, really great at, but it's not like the sweet spot, right? It's not where you are just totally in the zone. Everything else doesn't matter, and you're so good at it, people can't even handle it. Um, and that's your zone of genius and sort of trying to identify that for yourself. I think that was kind of the best advice was getting that book and then reading the book and, and going through it and kind of figuring out, wow, like I have so many opportunities to explore that zone of genius. I'm not maxed out. Um, I'm not at the end of my journey. In fact, I really feel like I'm kind of at the beginning of the next one. So that was the best advice I got. So, I mean, to translate that to a more general piece of advice, I would say read, read as much as you possibly can. Get your hands on any books that are about self-development, self-growth, self-awareness. You know, any way that you can make yourself the best version of you will benefit you in so many ways. And the people around you. That is so true. You should be a business coach or something. I think there's a a future in that for you. Uh, Maybe maybe I'll put that on the bucket list. There you go. Well, thank you. That that really is good advice to end this on. And much more than I could have ever anticipated. So thank you very much. Well, for our audience, this has been Life in Accounting, a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. If you haven't yet visited that website, please do so. We're going to have the show notes for Lindsay's episode. We have the show notes for all our episodes. And we have an extraordinary amount of career-related content at this point for accounting professionals as well. Once again, that website is www.whereaccountantsgo.com. Lindsay, Is there somewhere we can go on the web yet if we wanted to find out more about origin evolutions, or is that yet to come? 
So I have a LinkedIn and I have a Facebook. So it's just Origin Evolution LLC. So you can find it on LinkedIn. You can find it on Facebook that way. And my email is Lindsay at OriginEvolution.com. So um, there is a website in progress, but it's not up and running yet. So hopefully soon, fingers crossed, I'll be like a real business <laughs> before, <laughs> before too long. But, but yeah, that's how you can get in touch with me. Wonderful. I wanted to make sure I asked that because culture is, is so vitally important these days. Definitely. Well, thank you again for your time and thank you to the audience for joining us. We will see everyone next week. There's more to come.